This is Curiosity Killed the Plaque with hygienist Spring Hatfield on the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Listen as Spring uses her naturally curious mind to explore the relevant topics hygienists currently face today. Hello, fellow dental professionals and tooth enthusiasts. Welcome to Curiosity Called the Puck. I'm your host, Spring Hatfield, and today we'll be diving into a topic that often sparks controversy and a little misunderstanding, the concept of a Lara. So grab a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, whatever suits your fancy, sit back and let's unravel the concept of as low as reasonably achievable. As many of you already know, ALERA is an acronym that stands for as low as reasonably achievable. In the realm of healthcare, it is the guiding principle that we use to reduce radiation exposure to patients and ourselves, right? However, this concept is often misconstrued. ALERA is meant to be a tool for determining balance between risk and benefit rather than discouraging the use of radiation and managing disease or identifying health problems. Keep in mind, lowering um, the dose of radiation can be accomplished multiple ways, one being the significant reduction of radiation when using digital technology. It isn't strictly about reducing the number of radiographs taken overall. So the fear of radiation is deeply ingrained in our society, and unfortunately, this fear-based perspective has led to some unintended consequences. Um, It's created apprehension among the public and If you work in clinical dentistry, you know you sometimes have patients that are really difficult to convince to get their radiographs done. Even healthcare workers. Some healthcare workers, specifically dental hygienists that I have come in contact with, have a bit of a fear-based perspective on the use of radiation in dentistry. This is going to hinder our ability to provide the necessary care and treatment our patients need and deserve. So even, even within the dental professional alone, there are instances where professionals clash due to the fear associated with radiation and its perceived harmful effects. There are hygienists that are very concerned about the number of radiographs the dentist they work for is requesting them take on their patients. And I think that that comes from a fear-based perspective rather than evidence, because the evidence we have now definitely indicates that the low doses that we expose our patients to in dentistry are completely safe. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth later on. So essentially, we have to acknowledge that we have come a long way since 1975 when the U.S. EPA established the linear no threshold dose response model for radiation exposure. Thanks to advancements in science and technology, and most of all, our understanding of the human body, we now have a more nuanced understanding of radiation. It's increasingly recognized that low-dose radiation is safe and may even have some protective aspects to it um, that could be utilized as a therapeutic tool in in healthcare. Uh, Research, there's been multiple uh, studies and clinical trials that have explored the concept of radiation hormesis, which essentially suggests that some level of radiation exposure might be necessary for the immune system to function optimally. This theory is not widely accepted and we definitely need more evidence and safety guidelines um, 
before we think that this is actually something we should implement. However, there are ongoing clinical trials investigating the use of low-dose radiation in treatment for various conditions, um, osteoarthritis, COVID-19, certain fungal infections, and even different types of cancer. So it's multifunctional in the sense that they're exploring all different aspects of low-dose radiation that's never been explored before. Um, I think that since I'm talking so much about low-dose radiation, it's probably important that I define what that means. So according to the International Commission on Radiological Protection, it essentially refers to doses of 100 millisieverts or less. Uh, this is significantly lower than the, the high doses used for radiation therapy and cancer treatment. Um, that can be tens of thousands of millisieverts, so I don't want you to confuse the two. It is also significantly less than the amount we expose our patients to during a lifetime of dental radiographs. You might call radiation exposure from dental radiographs more on the lines of extremely low dose when compared to other exposures especially. Uh, as a matter of fact, the mean radiation exposure for the average healthy individual from all medical imaging for a lifetime is around 15 millisieverts, much lower than the 100 millisieverts that they are investigating, right? Also, you might find it surprising that studies have even suggested that the absence of radiation could be detrimental to living organisms. So there was some research conducted that looked at bacteria and human lung, human lung fibroblasts. They took these two things in their little petri dishes and went underground or, I don't know, put them in some lead chamber. I don't remember exactly how they did this, but they they did this to reduce the levels of, of background radiation. And what they found was that there was an upregulation of oxidative stress in the lung cells and the, there was a reduction in growth rate in bacteria. So these findings kind of raised some questions about the potential benefits of radiation, radiation exposure at background levels and stimulating defense mechanisms against stress in the human body and not just human body, but in bacteria too. And as you can imagine, we need certain bacteria to be healthy. Gut health is based on the right kind of bacteria. Oral health is based on the right kind of bacteria in our mouths. So if, there, if this, this bacteria can't grow and protect us, then that's a problem. So it's crucial to note that our current understanding of the harmful effects of radiation exposure is primarily based on high-dose radiation research. And it it's extrapolated a lot of a lot of it's extrapolated from incidents like the atomic bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So um, they decided, you know, high doses of radiation are dangerous, so all doses of radiation must be dangerous. They didn't actually do research into it back in the day, and that has evolved over time. And we have more studies on lower doses of radiation, which is why we're having this conversation right now, right? So. Um, I do want to make it clear that I am not suggesting disregarding current guidance and regulations. Um, it is essential to continue to adhere to safety protocols regarding the use of radiation. However, I am suggesting that we should strive to overcome the fear associated with radiation and base our decisions on current scientific evidence because we have so much more now than we used to. It's just gotten so much better. <laughs> so. Um, 
speaking of, there are numerous clinical trials and studies that have um, been conducted to better understand the health effects of low-dose radiation on the human body since we didn't have those before. Remember, we extrapolated all that information from high doses. So they have implemented these clinical trials to see what exactly happens with the low-dose radiation, the 100 millisieverts or less. The problem is, is that these investigations face the challenge of accounting for background radiation because every person is naturally exposed to varying levels throughout their lives, um, just depending on geographic location and or their occupation, either one. Uh, they can be exposed to more background radiation than someone else. Like someone living in Colorado is going to be exposed to more background radiation than someone living in, say, Florida. And so it makes it difficult to... Um, to adjust for those factors. But scientists that have aimed to evaluate the health effects of radiation above standard background levels, typically they use 100 millisieverts as their, um, their uh, endpoint. Um, they have found it very difficult to establish direct causality between radiation exposure and specific malignancies. So the United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation has also acknowledged this difficulty, and they stated that radiation cannot be solely attributed to the development of malignancies, um, essentially due to the presence of multiple potential causes and the lack of specific biomarkers for radiation exposure. Concerns regarding the fear instilled in the public and healthcare providers prompted um, discussions about revisiting the use of the ALERA concept. And in 2015, a group of scientists submitted a petition and they requested changes in rulemaking regarding radiation exposure standards. So this petition um, suggested maintaining worker doses at present levels, removing the ALERA principle from regulations altogether, equalizing public and worker dose limits, and discontinuing differential doses for pregnant women, embryos, fetuses, and children. Now, these petitions were denied, <laughs> but it is worth noting that multiple studies indicate a nonlinear dose-response relationship now, especially in the sense of low-dose radiation. Uh, there are some researchers in France um, that came to a different conclusion than what we found in the United States using the exact same data. So the French report suggests that there is no significant data demonstrating an increased risk of cancer for doses below 100 millisieverts. However, the U.S. report acknowledges the possibility of carcinogens, but they also acknowledge that there is a lack of supporting data for this assertion. So with this information, in mind, how can we apply Alera in healthcare, particularly in dentistry? I think the key is to strike a balance between caution and confidence. We should respect radiation while understanding that low doses typically used in dentistry do not pose a significant health risk to patients. So applying Alera requires individual risk assessments. For instance, patients with high caries risk may need more frequent radiographs compared to those with low caries risk. And additionally, um, in cases like post-operative periodontal therapy, taking radiographs to ensure the removal of radiographic calculus is a reasonable approach based on the patient's specific needs. It's important to remember that, and the main thing that I'm, I want you to take away from this is that um, what is reasonable for one patient may not be reasonable for another. So by using these risk assessment tools and keeping doses as low as reasonably achievable, we can ensure that 
the benefits of radiation exposure outweigh the potential risks to the patient. It's worth emphasizing that the only concern that arises is when there is a lack of radiographs hindering our ability to accurately assess a patient's oral health. In routine situations, there is very low risk of causing harm to patients through dental radiographs. Yet in their absence, many conditions could be missed, leading to delayed diagnosis and treatment for the patient's condition, which could lead to all kinds of complications down the road. So to put things into perspective, uh, studies estimate that out of 100 people, only one cancer case can be attributed to radiation exposure, while the other 99 cases are caused by various factors unrelated to radiation. I do want to add that this radiation exposure is not exclusively based on dental radiographs. It takes into consideration all sources. And even recently, uh, a few weeks ago, a study published in JADA, the Journal of the American Dental Association, determined that lead shielding is no longer necessary due to the very low doses of radiation in dentistry. When compared to other medical imaging, dentistry contributes very little to a patient's overall exposure. So moving forward, Let's approach radiation exposure with caution and understanding and um, incorporate risk assessments into our decision-making process. That way we can ensure the best possible care for our patients while minimizing unnecessary radiation exposure. I hope this discussion has shed some light on the ILARA concept and its application in healthcare. Remember, radiation should be, be respected but not feared. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything I've said, please reach out to me at spring at todaysrdh.com. Until next time, stay curious. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 